Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Nihongo Master Podcast. I'm your host Azra and I'm very excited to be here with you today. For this episode, I have a very special guest, Taylor Dondich. He is the founder of Nihongo Master. Taylor founded Nihongo Master in late 2011 after taking a trip to Japan. After studying with various materials available to him to prepare for his trip, he came back wanting to build a better tool for not only himself but for others to learn as well. Welcome to the show, Taylor. Azra, thank you so much for having me. I'm really, really excited to talk to you today. I'm so excited as well. How are you? Pretty good? I'm fantastic. It's wonderful here in Las Vegas. It's beautiful. So、uh, it's a gorgeous day. That's great. It's really great. It's really lovely here in Japan as well. Right, so let's get into the interview questions. First off, what's your background?、Uh, take us through the journey of how this all began. Wow.、Uh, so I guess it begins when I was a wee boy in the mid 90s、um, when I was going to high school.、Um, I started getting interested in Japanese media. That would be Japanese animation, Japanese manga,、uh, Japanese music. And、uh, during that time, internet wasn't like fully accessible. So there was no way to like just immediately get access to all the anime and music I would ever want. So I remember just traveling to little shops in Las Vegas, trying to find whatever I could find. And、uh, so、there wasn't a lot, but you know, I managed to get kind of acquainted with some of the old school Japanese animation like Ranma One Half, Neon Genesis Evangelion, and things like that. It really piqued my interest、uh, to the point where I really wanted to kind of learn this language. Now, you know. When I was listening to the music, you know, it was great, but I didn't really understand the words. When I was watching Japanese animation, I would listen with subtitles, but it, it was hard to kind of relate the language to the words. And so I wanted to learn more. And so、uh, I worked with the principal of my high school and collaborated with her and actually worked with her to hire a Japanese instructor for our high school. Uh, and so I managed to get a Japanese class in there and joined that,、uh, managed that for the last two years of high school. And、uh, we you know, had a Japanese club and everything like that. It was great. And、uh, you know, I, I, as time went by, as with learning any language, if you don't practice it, you forget everything, right?、Yeah. And you know, skip forward maybe 10 years, well, actually like 15 years, went to my adult life. Um, I did have the opportunity finally to take a trip to Japan, something I always wanted to do.、Uh, but I realized I forgot all my Japanese.、Oh, yeah. And so, so I、uh, went ahead and started gathering some tools around me to kind of self study and relearn the language.、Um, so I used online dictionaries, books,、uh, tried out different. You know, programs that are readily available. I don't want to mention any of our competitors here, but、um, you know, I used them all and、uh, did manage to relearn most of what I forgot. Went to Japan, had a wonderful time, lots of great experiences, wonderful people,、uh, and came back. And、um, well, you know, the, that that's basically where it all started. When I came back, you know, the trip was done, but I realized there was still more to learn. Mm, I see. You said that you started、um, like a Japanese class at your high school. How? Yeah, so I. 
Yeah. I actually managed to get the, I, I convinced the principal because I kind of helped out the high school and, you know, the principal says, well, I kind of owe you a favor. And I said, I got the perfect favor. I want you to hire a Japanese teacher. And so I managed to get other students to say that they were also interested to the point uh, where they hired a Japanese instructor. And mind you, none of the schools in Nevada had a Japanese instructor. So we were one of the very first oh. high schools that's really cool. Did you guys manage to hire like a Japanese teacher? So she wasn't a Japanese native, but she was very, very uh, fantastic at the Japanese language. She was fluent. Um, her name, her name is Brishia Sensei, and and I owe a lot of how Nihongo Master started. Uh, just you know, remembering all of her lessons and how she kind of approached uh, her, uh, teaching Japanese. Ah, that's very cool. So more or less how you started Nihongo Master was based on the, the your Japanese sensei back then. Yes, you know, I took a lot of the ways that she taught in the class and kind of tried to incorporate into how we would approach yeah. uh, teaching Japanese. In fact, when Nihongo Master first kind of started, I had Brashir Sensei draft out some of the first original curriculum. So a little bit of her lives in Nihongo Master today. Oh, that's very sweet. That's nice. <laughs> right. So what inspired you to start at Nihongo Master? You mentioned a bit just now that's because you didn't really get enough resources online, right? Yes. I mean, you know, I used a variety of different tools when preparing for that trip to Japan. As I mentioned, like online dictionaries. I remember uh, flying the plane, you know, 18 hours to Japan with like three or four dictionaries and grammar books in my bag and just pouring over them. Uh, but it was all different tools. And when I came back, uh, I realized I wanted to continue learning the Japanese language. However, you know, some of these tools were good in some ways and some of these tools were bad in another. And, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm also a software engineer. And so I was like, you know what, let me start building a tool which will make it easier for me to learn. Uh, and while I was building that, you know, I realized this is really useful. Maybe other people around the world can use this to help with their Japanese studies. And really, Nihongo Master first started as just an online dictionary. So, you know, the way I was using Nihongo Master at the time was really just for word lookup very, very quickly on my phone uh, and, you know, started incorporating some of the things that maybe online dictionaries weren't very good at doing. So if any of the listeners out there are using Nihongo Master for the online dictionary, you know, if you're looking up kanji, it can teach you the, 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 the actual strokes and the stroke order. And, and that's very useful in related words and example sentences. And, you know, I kind of wanted to bring in all those wonderful elements of other tools that were really valuable to me, but put it into one solid tool. And, what was really exciting was once I did launch it, uh, just again, as an online dictionary, people started using it. Mm -hmm. And uh, it became very uh, apparent that people wanted a better way to learn Japanese. And that, it, that's really how it started. That's really cool. So it started off as an online dictionary and now expanded to something so much more and so useful for everyone that wants to learn Japanese. 
Absolutely. So I'm really surprised at how uh, how much more value, how much more functionality the site has gained. And I use it to this day for, for studying Japanese. In fact, I'm getting ready. I know during this time, we have a little bit of an issue with the JLPT test. Normally, it's taken in person, so we can't take in-person uh, Japanese language proficiency exams. Um, but I'm hoping that by December, they'll have some alternative way because I am looking forward to uh, just taking you know another uh, uh, JLPT test this time, the N4. Um, I know more than that, but um, you know I've already have my N5. But uh, using the same tools that everyone that uses Nihongo Master uses, I'm using that to just you know show that I can pass the next level just by using Nihongo Master. That's really good. So Nihongo Master, all the tools on Nihongo Master, is it customizable? So for some people who want to learn maybe conversational Japanese or those who want to learn for JLPT, is it good for both? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when we when I started looking at designing Nihongo Master, first off, I knew that I shouldn't write the lessons, right? So we brought on uh, native Japanese uh, instructors who have been fantastic, uh, who have uh, evolved the lessons into bite-sized lesson material, maybe reading a lesson in five minutes will get you to learn a new grammar point, uh, a handful of new vocabulary. And these lessons can be aimed at different situations. Uh, and then we have all the additional tools on top of the lessons, such as you know, our drill system, which is based off of spaced repetition, which has been proven to be the best way to memorize new materials, such as vocabulary. Uh, and then we have you know, our, our, our practice writing sheets, which allow you to customize which kanji you want to learn and print out sheets that actually allow you, help you to write uh, and practice your kanji writing skills. And the same with, with uh, our vocabulary drills so people can create you know, their own custom study list based off of what they're trying to learn. So whether you're trying to study for say an upcoming JLPT exam or a high school Japanese exam, or you're just trying to figure out the lyrics to that new Utara Hikaru song, um, then yeah, you can actually create your own custom study list and, 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 and customize learning to what you wanna do. So I'm, I'm really happy about that. That sounds amazing. I, I love things that are customizable. So like, especially studying tools, if it customizes to you, I think that's like an appeal to it, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So what's your, what is your mission? What do you want? Who do you want to impact? So, I mean, first off, that's a really, really good question. So, you know, at first I was very selfish. I was just wanting to build a tool for myself to study the language. But when you start seeing other people use the tool, there's this sense of contribution to others that becomes overwhelming. You say, you know what, how can I build this tool to help people reach their goal? And now that we have a really fantastic team behind Nihongo Master, really our overarching mission is how can we bring this wonderful language to as many people as possible and empower them to start speaking it, not only to each other, but to native Japanese speakers. I mean, Global communication is important, and you know, even when my trip to Japan, many people, you know, I, I was in, you know, the main Tokyo area, and so English was pretty well understood there and such. But there is a better relationship you build with someone the moment you start at least attempting to speak in their language. There's a sense of connection, and ultimately, communication is all about connection. And so, 
you know, I'm almost tearing up here. Really, the mission here is help get people connected. And, you know, we're, we're talking about the Japanese language here, but, you know, if we succeed with Japanese, then it's very possible for us to approach other languages and, and, and start branching out. Um, yes, we have, you know, the mainstream languages that people kind of study around the world. You have French, you have German, you have Spanish, you have English, you, you know, and Japanese is kind of up there. But you also have other languages around the world which are, are becoming endangered where you might actually have a hundred people or less speaking that language. And this is just, you know, a result of globalization of language, um, generations kind of dying out and their children uh, being brought up in like a major English speaking or a major German speaking uh, environment. And when I started learning more about this type of, of language die out, it, it kind of made me sad because language is a good mark of the history of a people, you know, their culture and how they are, you know, with Japanese, you have honorifics, you have different ways of talking to different senior level of people. Of course, you have the male and female versions. Um, and there's a lot of nuances to the language based off of what scenario you're in or, or, or given the situation. And when a language dies out, it's gone. So, Ultimately, my goal with Nihongo Master is not just to teach Japanese, but eventually we'll branch out to other languages and then hopefully start capturing some of the lessons and instruction around some of those endangered languages so we can keep those languages alive, at least for a reference point. Uh, I know that seems far-fetched, um, but ultimately you have to shoot big. And that's, that's ultimately the goal that, that, that I hope that we can achieve with, with our wonderful team here. That sounds amazing. Yeah, language holds the culture as well, right? And the Japanese language is so rich in culture, don't you think? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So what do you love about it? What do you love about the Japanese language and culture? So that's, <laughs> I have a weird story. So when I, I, I'm a Disney fan. I love everything about Disney, it goes back to memories of my grandmother and me. And so obviously when I went to Japan, I definitely wanted to visit Tokyo Disneyland as well as Disney Sea. And I had a wonderful time at those parks and, and watching, uh, you know, kind of like the same rides that they have here, but experiencing um, it in Japan was kind of a flip. You know, there's a couple of things that kind of stood out. One is I, I, I rode this ride uh, called Star Tours. It's kind of a Star Wars based ride. And here in America, when people board the ride and the ride is going, there's drops, there's turns, there's twists, there's, there's surprises and everyone's screaming and yelling and waving their hands in the air and, ha and just shouting big time. And when I boarded the ride in Japan, in, in Tokyo, Disneyland, uh, everyone was very quiet. And then as the ride was going on, I was looking around and nobody was making any noise. It was very interesting. Uh, nobody was shouting or screaming or yelling. Uh, and, you know, I wanted to, but of course, I didn't want to stand out. So I kind of just tucked in and watched everyone else. And at, at the end of the ride, normally, you know, here in America, people rush to get out so that they can go to the next thing. But uh, in, in, in Tokyo Disneyland, Everyone waited until the ride was complete and the music stopped and then everyone nicely, politely stood up and quietly exited. And, you know, that was a sign of like everyone had a, 
it was obvious everyone had a wonderful time. You could see everyone smiling and beaming and having a great experience, but there was like this underlying sense of respect um, and appreciation that I think um, is kind of unique in Japanese culture um, that I thought was, it really stood out to me. Another <laughs> funny story um, is, uh, you know, my father is a bartender here in Las Vegas, and he's an example of, of, of someone who really tries to perfect their job. You know, every move that he made was very carefully done. Everything was well-timed. And it was very interesting watching him because, you know, many people in America, you know, they want to do a good job, but they may not have that drive for, for, for perfection that my dad seemed to, to really approach. And it was very apparent that that was just a common theme in Japan. You know, people very much want to drive to the next level of perfection. And that an example stood out where um, I went to Tokyo Disney Sea, and there is a giant Donald Duck boat. And I don't know, Ezra, have you ever been to Disney Sea? Yes, I have. I, I love Disney Sea. What do you, oh, think? So you, do you think it's better than Disneyland, or do you, do you prefer well, it's Disneyland? It's it's absolutely different. I love the theming. I think it's beautiful. Mm. Uh, but I, do you remember there was like a, a there's a big Donald Duck boat. Which part? So of the yeah. So so Donald Duck has a boat in Tokyo Disney Sea, and when you go in there, it's really a restaurant and a bar. Um, oh. And so I I took this opportunity to go into Donald Duck's boat and go to the bar. And it was a very beautiful bar. And I sat down, and um, I ordered a drink um, with ice. And the bartender goes to the back, comes back with a block of ice in front of me and starts chiseling it into a sphere right in front of me with precision, with, with, you could tell that this was, this was the thing that this person wanted to do right then and there. Uh, it seems like a silly story, but you know, when, when you see somebody who is so passionate about doing a good job, it really sticks to you. And so that was just, you know, during my three weeks in Japan, something that I noticed very much ingrained in the culture. Um, sure, I love the music. Sure, I love, you know, the Japanese animation and the common things that Americans kind of think of in Japan and, you know, the culture, the fashion and everything like that. But um, deep down, I really do appreciate the culture of, of really doing a great job and, and seeking that perfection. Mm, they put the 110% in everything that you do. Like, it doesn't matter if they like it or don't. It's their job and they just go for it, right? Yes, and that's exactly what I try to do with my day-to-day. -day. And so I think that resonates very well with me. Yeah, that's, that's a nice story. That's ni those are nice stories. It's not silly, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> so what is your vision for Nihongo Master? So, you know, we, we've, we've brought on a great team to kind of boost it. Ezra, you know, I'm, I'm, first off, I'm very glad that you're part of the team. Um, we've seen some wonderful blog articles come out to share elements of Japanese culture that I think you really brought to light. And I'm really excited about that. Really, what we want to do is put Nihongo Master into overdrive. We want to really start spreading the love of Japanese language and culture. Um, so we're going to be doing that through, you know, completely 
rechanging the web, the, the website, the look and feel, improving the tools, improving the community tools. So we're going to see a lot of that, but also over the next five years, we're going to see additional lessons, uh, additional specialized learning tracks. So if you know, if you are specifically going there for tourism or if you're going there for work or you're going there um, to live, uh, we want to make sure that you have a faster path for learning the more relevant lessons, the more relevant material. Um, we recognize that there's a lot of people who are high school students or even uh, middle school students because here in the US at least, the Japanese language is finally starting to become more common of a uh, desire for younger children to learn. So we want to start figuring out how we can address those younger audiences with even younger material. Uh, and then eventually maybe after that, start looking at how can we support additional languages as I mentioned before. So um, hold on tight because it's going to be a fun, fun ride. Sounds amazing. Can't wait. I'm very excited to be part of this whole team and just being involved with everything and can feel the passion, feel the drive from everyone. It sounds, it's amazing. It's been amazing. Great. So um, what's been the most difficult part of your journey as an entrepreneur? Ooh, as an entrepreneur. Mm. So it's, it's, you've, there's all these wonderful ideas in my head on how we can improve, but of course, there's limited resources. You know, we have great team members, but obviously we can only do so much. Time is a big resource. Um, and so, you know, we can only do so much, but, you know, I keep rambling about all these improvements of tools and things like that. We have to take our time. We have to do it correctly. Um, and so really it's just um, all of these great ideas and not enough time to execute them. So you mentioned, where do you see the company of five years? I hate waiting that long to see all these great things come into fruition, but I know it takes time. And I think that's the hardest part about being an entrepreneur, especially with Nihongo Master, because you know there's this big mission. There's this mission that I talked about, additional languages, endangered languages. How do we build a better web platform? How do we make it accessible to younger students? All these wonderful uh, problems we want to solve um, and just not enough time. So, you know, I know that the team is working as hard as possible to introduce these changes as quickly as possible. Um, you know, I always just want to wake up the next day and have everything there, but um, it takes time. And I think that's the hardest part. I see. But the journey is, is still one of the most rewarding parts as well, don't you think? Yes. I mean, you know, when you look back at it, so Nihongo Master has, you know, started in, in late 2012, uh, 2012 um, and, you know, the dictionary site and the progression of changes to the site, you know, that that's really exciting to look back at on and say, how did we get there? And we're a very small team. So, you know, to get, you know, the occasional email saying that this is a fantastic tool, you know, it's helped them in some way. Uh, that's That's pretty exciting. Sounds good. What what has been the most rewarding part of starting Nihongo Master? Well, I did mention, you know, occasionally I do get a wonderful email and I've gotten emails from mothers talking about how their child found Nihongo Master and it, and they, they used it to learn Japanese and they're so surprised and uh, that's really exciting. I've gotten uh, emails of people saying that they used Nihongo Master to find a relationship. I think that's a common theme out there. Uh, people who have used Nihongo Master successfully to get a job in Japan, which is really exciting. And so when we talk back about, you know, what inspired to start Nihongo Master or what is the mission, it's stories like that. 
you know it's stories where you know you you hear that you enabled somebody to do something amazing you know whether it's finding love or discover a new passion or to uh you know find their dream job you know, I'm getting goosebumps right now just talking about it. And, you know, I, I just look forward to seeing more success stories uh, as more people discover Nihongo Master and use it in their journey. What's the one story that has stuck with you this whole time? So, yes, there, there, I mentioned earlier, you know, a mother sent me an email in regards to her younger daughter. And really the email first started off as, hey, you know, we're trying to figure out how to pay for Nihongo Master and uh, things like that. And, you know, I noticed that, uh, first off, I got them all set up correctly on their account. Uh, but I asked a little bit more about who is this, who's learning and things like that. And we found that she was 14. She discovered Nihongo Master, and not only was she taking the lessons, but she was going the extra mile. She was talking to other people, uh, learning the language on Nihongo Master, answering questions, rooting people, because, you know, with Nihongo Master, community is a big deal, and you can see other people's progress, and she was there, you know, cheering people on, and so to find someone so passionate at such a young age, discover something new with something that we built, that's really rewarding. And I think that that story really sticks with me. Oh, that's really sweet. You mentioned about the community part of Nihongo Master. Can you talk a bit more about it? How is it important in learning the language? So, I mean, that's a really good question. You know, when, when I came back from Japan, I knew that I wanted to continue learning the language, but you know, I looked at like, why, why do people fail to learn a language or why do they, um, uh, drop off very quickly. You know, somebody decides to learn a language, they work really hard at it for a week or two, and then they just drop off, right? And so part of it is repetition, right? You have to practice your language every day. This Usually this means some form of immersion, right? That means writing post-its on your, on your refrigerator or on all, all of the things around your house with the Japanese words. But uh, there's also the social element. You can't feel like you're isolated. You have to have like a team aspect. So, you know, this is why sometimes you're more uh, successful in a classroom um, in, you know, say high school, but then as an adult, it's harder to learn a language because you're kind of on your own. So when I built Nihongo Master, I wanted to bring in some social aspects to really kind of create this, this dynamic of, you know, learning along with other people. So when you are on Nihongo Master, you can, you can see what other people are doing, what points are they scoring. You have the ability to talk on their profile and kind of cheer them on. You could build teams and kind of work as study partners with each other. Um, there is, you know, an online chat where you can actually chat in Japanese and it will kind of translate it for people who may not know that level of Japanese. Um, there's a lot of aspects to the community. There's, you know, obviously forums where people can talk back and forth. Um, we want to find ways to improve those community tools because yes, immersion is important. Yes, quality of lessons are important. Yes, quality of tools are important. But if you're learning on your own, you're going to have a harder time. And so that's why we really wanted to try and bring community as a main focus for Nihongo Master. You're 100% right. I feel like that is the one, the, the thing that pushes you more. Like you're right, like lessons can be amazing, but if you don't have that kind of push from a, a community, it doesn't, it's not as, um, it's not as good, I would say, right? Yeah, it's it's not as sticky. It won't stick mm. with you, and you won't you won't have that drive. You know, there's yeah. always something. 
there's always something to be said about somebody pushing you and saying, hey, what's the next thing that you learned? What's the next thing you learned? You, want, you don't want to let them down. So, yeah. yeah. So let's, let's move on to a lighter topic. Just a bit, a bit lighter. What's your favorite Japanese food from, the, from your trip? <laughs> well, I will, I will say this. From my trip, uh, one of the most fascinating meals I had was a, a sushi breakfast at the Tokyo Fish Market at 5 a.m. I woke up at like 4 a.m. in the morning, which is very hard when you have, say, jet lag, uh, and traveled to uh, the Tokyo Fish Market uh, and had a wonderful sushi breakfast there. Of course, obviously, the fish, extremely fresh, very simple in presentation, everything like that. But uh, that was fantastic. That was amazing. And that was one of the more memorable experiences uh, of my trip to Japan. Now, Fast forward to today, I have four kids. So really the question should be, what is their favorite Japanese food? Because I have to do that, right? And so obviously they love ramen and uh, there's been an explosion of ramen uh, restaurants here in Las Vegas. So there's plenty to choose from. Um, but yeah, that apparently is where we have to go at least once a week now because they love it so much. That sounds nice. What, what's your favorite type of ramen? There's so many different kinds of ramen. Oh, there is, um, you know, a tonkatsu broth, you know, pork broth uh, is, is fantastic. And there is some fantastic places here who that get their, you know, the chashu just correct. Um, but, you know, it varies. You know, I, I tend to like spicy broth, you know, because I tend to think of myself as a little spicy. But, um, you know, for, for the children, they need to go a little bit more mellow. So uh, it, it varies. It also varies really based on the weather. So in Las Vegas, you know, obviously we have very hot summers, but we also have very cold winters. And so it really depends on the weather, what we might try a more veggie broth or, or something more rich and hearty like a tonkatsu. Sounds awesome. Have you ever tried making your own ramen at home? Oh, I don't dare. Um, <laughs> you know, one, one, one of these days, I would like to make homemade ramen noodles. I think that would be a wonderful exercise. Some people say they want to try making sushi at home. No, I want to go the extra mile. I want to make my own ramen noodles. Oh, cool. Ramen noodles. That's, that's like, that's a whole project. <laughs> It's a whole project, but you know, I, like I mentioned in Japanese culture, you know, there's this always, you know, you keep improving for this ideal sense of perfection, even though perfection is unattainable, you keep moving forward. And I think that would be an interesting project to just really start diving into that art. Um, but, you know, I, I also want to know if, if, if ramen noodles is, is, you know, you know there's, there's, things in the air, the environment that kind of changed the taste, texture of ramen noodles. You know, it's an art form. You know, I remember I, I went to the ramen museum in, um, in Japan, uh, which was fascinating. And, you know, you get all these different styles from all around Japan. Um, and every, you know, every restaurant has their own salad noodles. So I think it's one of those mysterious dark arts that I just got to try at least once. Yeah. What about sushi? Have you ever tried making sushi at home? <laughs> you know, I haven't just because there's so many great sushi restaurants here, which is surprising, right? We live in a desert, so we can't get the freshest fish here. But you know, there's plenty of sushi restaurants here to to try out. Um, but I, I'll tell you this: if I really want to go all out on sushi, I can't wait to go to Japan again and get back to that fish market. Oh, sushi is amazing! Like I can't get enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you come, when you had your trip here. What are the what are some of the few words or phrases that you found interesting, or from your studies? Well, 
You know, um, and I mentioned it earlier in regards to differences of languages. Um, in Japan, you know, honorifics and, you know, social status play a very important part in dialogue. I think we know that. In fact, I think we have a blog article um, about, you know, 10 ways to say thank you. In fact, there's numerous ways to say thank you in Japanese, but it really does depend on, you know, who you're talking to or if it's really just a friend. And, you know, it, it, it's crazy how not only is this the, the point of saying thank you, but also your body language and saying thank you, whether it's, you know, a polite bow or a deeper bow, depending on who you're talking to. So whether it's a simple arigato or domo for casual or arigato gozaimasu, so domo arigato gozaimasu. It's 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 very interesting those nuances, and it's it's one of those things that aren't really taught very often or very well in some of the other online language learning tools. Um, sometimes you lose that sense of cultural significance, and and. Japanese, there's a lot of cultural significance in the language. And, I, and just the simple phrase, thank you, can be so different. And I think that's really what, what was uh, striking to me when I started studying the language. Yeah, I think in Japanese, there's so many ways to say one thing. And even one word can have so many different sort of like meaning to it. And like the, yeah, the significance, yeah. Totally. And I think that's beautiful. The language is just so beautiful. Oh, yes, yes. As opposed to other languages, which might sound very rocky and harsh, you know, sometimes Germanic, uh, German language, you know, sounds some, sometimes a little harsh to the ear. Sometimes that's a common thing that you might hear. Um, with Japanese, there tends to be a more fluid kind of cadence with the language. And I think uh, it's very pleasing to the ears as well. It all ties back to the culture, the very polite, gentle culture, I feel like, right? Absolutely, absolutely. It's very nice to hear all, all your thoughts and opinions and stories. Do you have any, any last final thoughts that you want to add in? Uh, I mean, yes, uh, obviously Nihongo Master is one of various tools to learn Japanese and hopefully it is a tool that, you know, the listeners uh, find interesting and, and use, obviously. But uh, if you don't learn from Nihongo Master, do do take the opportunity to maybe pick up some Japanese music or Japanese animation and really listen to the language. And, and even if you don't understand the words, like, you know, back in high school and I was listening to Japanese music or listening to animation, I didn't know the words. Um, there's emotion behind it. There's emotion behind it. And so listen to the emotion and maybe that will make you um, uh, really want to take the next step in learning the language. I, and I want to kind of leave it with that. That sounds nice. Sounds beautiful. Um, how can people get in contact with you? So I'm readily available. So you can reach me. Uh, my email address is taylor at nihongomaster.com. I try to read every email that comes in. So whether, you know, it's a comment or suggestion about the site or something that you want to learn, or maybe even a success story, I want to hear from you. So please do reach out. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time today. It's amazing hearing from you. And thank you for being on the show. No, no, answer. thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to uh, future podcast episodes. I'm very excited for the future ones as well. Thank you so much. Thank you. Great to hear from Taylor, the founder of Nihongo Master. If you're inspired to pick up some more Japanese for yourself, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and the official website to learn more. Thank you so much for listening in. I'm looking forward to the next one. I hope you'll join me then as well. Matane!